Welcome to the sound of final day in the EFL. This is the NTT20 podcast sponsored by Betfair. I'm Ali Maxwell. I've got George Ellick with me. I'm so excited this week. This podcast will be George and myself making betting picks ahead of the final EFL regular season weekend. A betting comes with significant risks. So we want to make sure that you are gamble aware, that you understand the risks that come with gambling and that you never bet more than you can afford to lose and never chase losses. Hi, George. Hi, Ali. This is a weird show for me, this one. Oh. I kind of feel like it must be what it's like to play a main stage at a festival just before the headline act, because I think <laughs> we all know what people are here for, and it's not me going through my nap next best lay uh, goals bet and goal scorer, <laughs> but it's your funky, crazy final day bets. So I'm still here, but I don't think anyone cares. No, mate, I did I not tell you? I'm just going to do the normal structure for this one. Ah, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I didn't have time to prep anything, so just going standard. <laughs> I'm kidding. Way. I've done more than ever, and I've mixed it up again. When you said the thing about the festival, my mind went straight back to Reading and Leeds 2010, Arcade Fire, the headliners on Saturday night. And they had the Libertines before them, which I think actually reflects both of us and our lives quite well. Me, the Arcade Fire, very collaborative, very folksy, uh, very, very, very creative. And you... You're the first person to ever describe themselves as folksy. <laughs> yeah, but it's for a bit, so just let me finish it. And then you, George, the Libertines, I think that sums you up pretty well. You were, you were actually surprisingly cool in like the 20, <laughs> in the 2010s in a way that, that you're now maybe slightly less so. In a way that I, that I had a pint with Carl Barrett once, just the two of yes. us. Yes, how was he? Yeah, it was, it was pretty weird. Uh, he was quite nice. He said he hated music, which was a bit of a shame to hear as somebody who was a big Libertines fan back in the day. He loves the pod. That's why he went for a pint, right? He reached out to you because Carl Barrett famously loves the pod. Mm, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pre-pod days, sadly. This is the final weekend of the EFL season. We're going to have some fun with it. Um, we will remind ourselves of last week if we have to. Uh, the Prophet George making profit uh, off of uh, Hartlepool's win, his nap at 15-8, to 8, really good nap that. Uh, you also got Ipswich over two and a half goals up within about 15 minutes. Um, you mentioned backing the over 3.5, the over 4.5 as well. So I imagine that you enjoyed that very much. I am heavily wounded, limping towards the finish line, lost every pick last week. Swindon threw away a lead with 10 minutes left. My nap, Argyle won, but didn't cover the minus one. Uh, I got one out of two in the 13 to one over 3.5 double. Obviously, uh, just a load of rubbish, really. So um, we put that behind us because it is my favourite betting show of the season. Uh, and it all comes down to this, George. What's your nap? What's your best bet in the EFL this weekend? Yeah, I'm very boring. And, and I just basically do the same as what I do every other week. And um, my nap is Bristol City to beat QPR away from home. Bristol City, my nap for the second week in a row. Oh no, they're my next best last week. Um, but they are nine to five to beat QPR. And, uh, you know, I well done Gareth Ainsworth for getting QPR out of the mess they were in. You know, it's, it's important to say that. Back-to-back wins against Burnley and Stoke have done that away from home. They are now safe. I personally... I'm not sure that QPR in their current guys and the guys they've been in basically since Mick Beale left the club should be favourites for any game really in the championship. They've been the worst team in the league by some stretch over the past four or five months. And I also think because 
this is a club who thought they were, were basically drifting towards relegation. Because they've stopped that, I think it would be understandable and fair if a fair bit of complacency comes into what is already a pretty poor performance level. Like You look at their win over Stoke last time out, um, they only had four shots in the whole game, one of which they scored, which was their only big chance they created in the, in the whole game. They, uh, against Burnley in the first half, were absolutely battered before putting in a spirited second half performance. But again, the XG there is, is 1.96, 0.5. But let's not mistake these two QPR wins for a massive turnaround in performance. They have eked out results when absolutely necessary to get themselves out of the mess they're in. And frankly, now they're there, I don't think anyone really cares what happens on uh, in this coming weekend. This is their first game they're playing where that is the case. Uh, for Bristol City, it's been the case for quite a while. And I spoke last week about how I think they are playing pretty well at the moment, something that was echoed by Vincent Company after the game um, when Burnley beat them 2-1, where he was very impressed with them. They put in decent performances uh, fairly recently. You know, the two-all draw against Middlesbrough, the 2-1 win over Bristol City. Sorry, the 2-1 win over, over Rotherham, I should say. I think Bristol City are comfortably the better side here. I think QPR are still arguably right now, you know, if you were to um, to look at what's gone on in the last 10, 15 games and you pr- to project that forward for the next 10 or 15, I think QPR are the team that would likely be bottom or pick up the fewest points in that time. I, I, I just don't think QPR should be favourites for this game. They're 11 to 8 to, to win it. I don't see that at all. I think the Bristol City 9 to 5 is a massive bet about the side who I think are way better, should enjoy the better of the game, have better players and more motivated and um, yeah, should uh, turn this game around on its head in terms of the prices and, and win it. So nine to five, Bristol City is my nap. What's the over under on Tim Irobinum completed passes? One point five. <laughs> Long term listeners of the pod know that final day is a bit different for me. For those who are listening uh, in their first year, let me explain a little bit. I get very excited for final day, but in, in betting terms, I find that the the one by two match odds tend to get a bit crazy. So uh, I try and take myself out of that and wage my own personal crusade. I also like to build what I call a model. Uh, It's a very ironic term because it's not exactly highly technical or complicated, but it is based on a fair amount of research that I did uh, yesterday over the course of a few hours and just looking at, at previous final days. And I think it helps me make picks and that's enough for me to call it a model. So for the last two years, I've been focusing uh, on three markets over 4.5 goals, minus two handicaps and hat-tricks being scored. And last season, we picked six over 4.5 goals, six handicap bets and six hat-tricks over the two weekends because League One finished a week before. We only hit one overs bet. We hit three of the six handicap bets. Uh, None of the hat-tricks. They were all 50 to one or bigger. So we made 6.83 points profit from the 18 stakes. The year before was great. Uh, This was the the, the debut year for the model. Seven over 4.5 goals picks and two winners for plus 8.5 points there. Uh, Four minus two handicap bets. One of them won for four points profit. And we had four hat-tricks bets and Adam Armstrong obliged at 25 to one. So uh, we had a 19 point profit there for 31.5 total. So over two years, 33 points staked, around 38 points profit. It's no wonder I look forward to this. And you might think, great, same again, please, mate. That's what we're after. Um, But Pep Guardiola doesn't change things when it's too late, George. Pep Guardiola refreshes things when his team is still at the top. And that's my inspiration. I'm evolving this year. There's been a tweak to the model and I'm worried it might be quite unpopular. Because what's the main thing, really, that I'm talking about on final day normally? Uh, Over 4.5. Yeah. There are no goals picks this week. Wow. I'm leaving behind the goals picks, uh, but I do so, I think, for, for good 
logic. I think there's better value elsewhere. It's true that over 4.5 goals happens a lot. Uh, I've looked at the last 16 final days in total. Uh, so the last six years, uh, of course, in 1920, League One and League Two didn't finish. So 16 final days in total. At no time in that period has there been a final day in an EFL division without a single game going over 4.5. So you can normally bank on one at least per division. Uh, and on eight of the last 16 final days, there's been three or more games in a division going over 4.5. The overall number is 37 games going over 4.5 goals in 192 matches. That's 19% of games. Six or seven games you can expect on average to go over 4.5 goals. And it's fun trying to work out which games it'll be. And I wouldn't put anyone off trying to do that and have some fun in the sun goals bonanzas. But I've uncovered something I think that's juicier. And it's just more focus on the minus two handicap, mate. Because over 4.5 goals has landed 37 times in 192 matches. But the minus two handicap has landed 50 times in the last 192 final day games. Wow. So 13 times more. That's interesting. 50 times in 192 final day games, a team has covered the minus two. 20 in the championship, 17 in League Two, 13 in League One. It's a 26% hit rate for a minus two landing. All my picks are between yeah about 11 to two and 12 to one. So that's what I'm going for. I'm going to let you do your next best before I introduce my first pick so that we can get in rhythm. But that's my... Logic, that's my preamble. Uh, I'll get into my picks after your next best. Okay. If you ever if you ever do um, Headliner Festival, I hope you introduce your first song like that um, <laughs> with, a, with a real justification of the whole running order. Well, that's quite... That's, it's actually quite Arcade Fire, isn't it? They've got like eight-minute songs. My next best is Morecambe to beat Exeter at nine to five, um, where this is obviously... A massive game for Morecambe. They, if they win, you know, they've got a, a pretty decent chance of, of staying up, which would be another incredible chapter in this club's recent history where they've never been relegated. They've been written off in League Two plenty of times to be relegated and then got promoted to League One. They've been written off in League One twice and a win here would see them you know, see Derek Adams um, navigate another great escape for the second year in a row. They looked down and out. They have hit some form at, well, I mean, it's not really the right time because if they'd hit form a bit earlier, then they wouldn't be in this mess anyway. But they've won three games in a row. They've taken 10 points from the last four games. Cole Stockton, their talisman, has suddenly found his ridiculous goal-scoring um, boots again. And they go to an Exeter side who've lost six games in a row and were beaten 6-0 um, by Ipswich last time out. So normally when you've got a game like this in the EFL, one side who are so far on the beach, you know, they've basically been buried by their mates and left there overnight, <laughs> um, up against a side with everything to play for in a decent form, you, you see them kind of heavily odds on. Yep, I think because Morecambe's over, uh, underlying uh, numbers over the course of the season, because they're regarded as being probably the poorest team in the division by the betting markets, means we're still getting a pretty big price about them to win it, um, which I think is wrong. You know, this is Morecambe's biggest game in their recent history. It's one of the biggest games in their existence. For Exeter, it's, it's an afterthought. And they don't seem to be taking much pride in their finishing position or anything else over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so I can't really work out why... Exeter are more likely to win this game than the team who, who need to win it. Um, obviously, from Morecambe, there is throughout the campaign, through or throughout the game, especially given they've won their last two games 3 2. You know, even if they go behind, they're, they're not going to down tools safely in the knowledge that MK Don squandered a three goal lead last time. So, 
uh, yeah, my my next best is more is Morecambe to, um, and I think they might stay up to be honest. I I think Burton have shown a, um, a willingness to continue playing against both Argyle and in, and in midweek against Cambridge, which could see um, MK drop points. If if MK drop points and Morecambe win, then it doesn't matter what Cambridge do. Morecambe will be staying up, mm. and I think that might happen. So. I was tempted to to do all the over 4.5s, all the handicaps, all the hat tricks, but it, it's too easy to start overdoing it with your staking when you're racking them up. I don't want to do that. So I have given myself three extra points to play with this week. So I'm, I'm playing nine points this week, three points than normal, three points more than normal. Um, and I'm apologizing to LR Beatro for doing that, who keeps a very clean record of our picks. But um, as discussed, I think the value play is to go over the handicaps, not the over 4.5 goals. So for each league, I'm picking two minus two handicaps and a goal scorer to score a brace rather than a hat-trick this time. Um, Digging into the 50 instances of minus two handicaps getting covered uh, in the last 16 final days in the EFL, there are two sort of key strands, I'd say, key categories, and those are the ones I'm looking for. They are uh, a match where there's no jeopardy at all on the game. Neither team has anything particular to be playing for. When these see a minus two handicap getting covered, it almost always goes to form. It's not just like random, you know, either team can win it. It mostly goes to the team that are finishing the season stronger against the team that have nothing to play for and have basically, yeah, and they're on the beach. And I think, you know, that kind of makes sense um, in terms of logic. Um, <clears throat> and then obviously the scenario where a team is striving for something, whether it's automatic promotion, whether it's a playoff spot or maybe even safety on final day, quite often when they play a team with nothing to play for, they're just sort of waved through uh, and they cover the handicap. So those are the two uh, really sort of strong categories that the, that the model likes that I've used to make my picks. In the championship, I'm picking Sunderland to beat Preston and cover the minus two handicap uh, at seven to one. This is in the category of a team, obviously in Sunderland, striving for a playoff spot uh, versus a team with nothing tangible to play for in, in Preston who put themselves in a good spot after cranking out a few wins uh, a couple of weeks ago but have since lost three of their last four. And I think for the fans, they'll have allowed themselves a flicker of excitement in a season where they've been fairly underwhelmed. Uh, and I think they're back to being pretty underwhelmed here. I can't see Deepdale being a, a cauldron of atmosphere on Saturday. Um, you've got a Sunderland team who are among the best away teams in the division, the third top scorers uh, away from home. I just like the fact that Sunderland are kind of striving for this and I, I I don't see them just trying to edge a 1-0. I don't think that's either in their makeup or would be the right thing to do in this situation anyway. So Sunderland minus two against Preston at 7-1 to one is the first pick. The second one, well, it was music to my ears, your nap, George, because I've gone for Bristol City minus two at Loftus Road at 12-1. to one. This fits the category of no jeopardy and goes to form. You might think, what do you mean form? QPR have won two in two. Well, like you, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that the way that they won those games is particularly sustainable, nor do I think it really, I don't think it really is relevant to a final day game with nothing riding on it. Bristol City are a much better team right now than QPR. QPR have, have gritted two wins out, but this game will look different. What would be the point of Ainsworth parking the bus for 19% possession at home in the last home game of a horrible season when he's still trying to win the fans over at home to a mid-table team? I I just cannot see them approaching it like that. And I think that suits Bristol City and I think that suits this minus two bet. Uh, QPR's numbers are terrible, their underlying numbers over the last um, few months. Bristol City's a 
good. They're finishing strong. Bristol City minus two at 12 to one. Uh, my championship brace is Ahmad Diallo of Sunderland. Uh, as discussed, I've got them minus two and I've got Diallo to score a brace at 12 to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. He's going to play 90 minutes. They're going to get the ball to him as much as possible in that right-hand channel. And he's going to be cutting in and getting shots away. I'm expecting three shots, minimum four or five, hopefully. Uh, and I think if they get a really good bit of momentum and they're enjoying themselves and Preston are just waving them through, Diallo is going to get plenty of looks. The, the stage is, is set really for a starlet to show it on, on well, what would be one of the biggest games of his career so far. So Diallo is my first goal scorer pick, 12 to one, the brace. Uh, what are you doing next up? Maybe putting up a lay? I kind of alluded to it a second ago, so I think I forgot that this was going to be my lay. Um, and it's I'm a bit embarrassed because whilst you're sitting there putting up huge price fund things, I'm laying something at, at 2.22. Um, Desmond, as they call it. Uh, but I am laying MK Dons away at Burton. I just don't really see this. I kind of mentioned a second ago how... You know, normally you get the team something to play for being being shorter and more that wasn't the case. Here it very much is. And, you know, by the form book, there's absolutely no way MK Dons should be, you know, six to five, five to four about um a trip to Burton. Um I think Burton have, have definitely shown that they have a bit of an appetite for spoiling the party, let's say. And I think when you look at the, the characters, kind of the big characters at Burton, it's not a massive surprise. Like I, I cannot imagine Dino Mamria would accept the downing of tools. So he's such an intense manager. He's somebody who I just I think if you look to hide or shirk responsibility, he'll come down on you. And therefore, despite Burton securing safety a couple of weeks ago, you look at their last six results. You know they beat Sheffield Wednesday, and they drew at home to Bolton. So they've scuppered Wednesday's promotion push. They've hurt Bolton's um, playoff campaign or, or playoff push at the time. They went down 1-0 in a tight game against Derby, um, so by no means rolling over for them. In a game between two teams with little to play for, they beat Lincoln 1-0. They went to home park, but Plymouth Argyle needing to win to secure promotion uh, or to be sure of promotion to, to the championship. It was a tight game, which Argyle won just 1-0. And then in midweek, they hosted Cambridge, where um, Cambridge needed to win to get to keep uh, survival in their own hands and Burton won the game 1-0 there's nothing in terms of their performance levels or anything about the results that suggests that they aren't going to be anything but incredibly awkward opponents here for MK uh, and MK as we know after that good bit of runner form will feel pretty sore coming into this after being in such a strong position in terms of, of, of their own survival when they were 4-1 up against Barnsley and squandering that to draw 4 all they haven't won in their last seven um, and I think they are probably aware that given um, Morecambe's recent form and who they're playing against, given Cambridge at home against Forest Green, the worst team in the division, I basically think that MK Dons have to win this in order to um, to, to stay up. I think if they drop points, they're, they're going to get relegated. And I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to do so. So I think they're way too short in my mind. I think there's too much being factored in for the something to play for between two sides where, it, you know, you talk about going by the form book. If the form book is right, then the home team win this. League One handicaps. They are both no jeopardy games. I'm not trying to take on any of the games that matter in League One uh, this weekend. I'm going Lincoln minus two against Shrewsbury at 7-1. to one. No jeopardy on this game, and I think it goes to form. That would be Lincoln winning comfortably. They've got 14 points from the last eight games. Shrews just four points from the last eight games. They did their work 
in the first 35 games of the season, whereas Lincoln are, are really enjoying themselves. They've enjoyed the pressure coming off, actually. They've enjoyed things like that weird... Uh, unbeaten home run coming to an end if anything they seem to have got stronger whereas Shrews have said job done thank you very much also with Shrews loads of changes being announced and mooted at the club the CEO Brian Caldwell uh, has announced that he's leaving Uh, there are plenty of rumours about other big departures it doesn't feel like there's a huge amount of solidity right now they did win in midweek in fairness against Bristol Rovers in another no jeopardy game but I'm just happy that uh, they'll be travelling to Lincoln I think Lincoln and Mark Kennedy be keen to to finish strong and they're the form team so I've got Lincoln minus two at seven to one I was tempted by uh MK Don's minus two, actually, funnily enough, just because of the model's love for teams striving to survive versus a team with nothing to play for. But Burton played have played well enough in the last to kind of freak me out a little bit here. Cambridge and Forest Green is the obvious one, but only seven to two is, is just so short for, for the minus two. So we're going for Cheltenham minus two against Charlton. This is 11 to one. Uh, it is a long shot. In terms of it going to form, I'll be honest, there's not actually loads in it. They both won a couple of games recently. They both won a couple, uh, lost a couple of games recently. But I think the fact it's at Cheltenham um, and a Charlton team that have been very leaky recently, conceding two to Port Vale, three to Morecambe, six to Ipswich. Uh, for them, I get the feeling that it's a, it's a poor season, kind of petering out to an end. I think there'll be lots of changes at the club, off the field, hopefully over the summer with uh, ownership change, uh, certainly on the field as well. That squad will need another refresh. Feels like that's the case every summer. Cheltenham just seem a little more solid for me. Um, Wade Elliott has had some ups and downs this season, but... In general, I think they're finishing pretty strong uh, other than that horrible game against Oxford the other day. But they, they responded to that well. And I just think if there's fun in the sun, uh, Cheltenham will be the ones on the right side of it. Uh, Dobson might not play in this one because he risks a three-game suspension if he gets booked, which would carry over into next season. So Dean Holden being like, not sure why this exists, but it means I probably won't play George Dobson. Uh, so Cheltenham minus two is, is the other one in League Two. Uh, sorry, in League One. Uh, and the goal scorer picks from that game as well. I'm not going to ignore Alfie May. He's eight to one to score a brace. If I'm backing Cheltenham minus two, it stands to reason uh, that I think Alfie May will be in the goals. He scored five in April, five in March. He's finishing the season strongly, just like he did last year, where I think he got 17 in his last 19. He's, he's either... Uh, highly committed to the club or he's very much doing himself a favour to pick up a pretty big move and a decent payday uh, this summer. I think uh, this could be the day for Alfie May, 8-1, to uh, the double with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, George, how about a goals pick? Roll up, roll up, Orient fans. I'm giving you another chance to laugh my face. I backed Bradford to beat um, Orient at five to four on Monday, I think it was. Um, and I was crying into my dinner last night when it looked like Bradford were going to draw two all with Crew in a result that basically would have killed their um, needs to win that game because suddenly they would have been pretty much safe in terms of their position in the top seven for playoffs, but it would have killed their top three aspirations. But a very late goal kept it alive and it wasn't the way I thought it was going to go. It was actually probably better where Crew scored. And Bradford fans went from thinking, oh, we're going to gate crash this um, promotion party for Northampton and uh, Stockport to suddenly looking at the league table and being like, oh, no, hold on. If we lose to Leighton Orient on last day and Mansfield win by two goals, then we're we're going to fall out of the playoffs altogether here. And that wouldn't be good. So this is still a massive game for them um, at home to Leighton Orient. And I would be surprised 
if this doesn't pop up on the Ali Maxwell model of being a possible minus two game because Orient, for all the times they've proven me wrong this season, which is so many, are, I think, by their own admission and basically every interview you've read, haven't really got their mind on the game at the moment. Um, And I was impressed to see them beat Mansfield 2-1 in that game after they went up. Um, I think Mansfield's injury problems played a big part in that. But then we saw them kind of really down tools for the first time when being beaten 3-0 by Stockport last time out, uh, having been and they were 2-0 down after 10 minutes. And that was before a bank holiday weekend where I'm pretty sure they would have quite enjoyed themselves. I can't see there being much reason for them doing too much on the training ground. They are champions. Um, that Nothing is going to change in that. They are going up next season. They've been partying for a while now. Richie Wellens is... You know, you've seen the likes of Mike Duff talk about the need to, to to continue playing at a high level. Wellens has been talking about celebrations for the most part ever since, um, and there's no shame in that. But I think, despite playing the champions at home on final day, this is an excellent opportunity for Bradford to um, solidify their playoff chances. And although a point would see them safe, because if they get 76 points, Mansfield can't chase them down. I think if Leighton Orient do roll over. I think uh, Bradford will be pretty happy to tickle their tummy. And uh, for them to cover that um, over two and a half line, uh, where if you consider last week it was Ipswich over two and a half at 11 to 10, I'm looking to back Bradford over two and a half here at 19 to five. So nearly four to one that Bradford score over two and a half goals. That seems mightily generous to me against a side who could well basically be celebrating on the pitch during the game rather than thinking too much about playing football. Yeah. It was obviously flagged up by the model because the model doesn't miss anything. Uh, I was just slightly freaked out by all the permutations. You've, you've kind of convinced me that it's still a good thing, but I've left that just because I, I just I couldn't quite work out exactly how Bradford are going to be looking at that one. Um, I wanted Northampton on side here as well because they're striving and they're up against a miserable Tramier team whose data in the last eight, ten games is just horrific. Um, but they're short enough, I think, around five to one to cover that one and you never know, like if they are one or, or two nil up and they get news from elsewhere that they're going to be fine. I'd, I don't know that they'd bother really cracking on. But who's chasing Bradford City and also Salford? Mansfield Town. And I'm backing them minus two to beat Colchester at 9.5. Now it feels wrong because I've been slagging off Mansfield quite a lot for the fact that they're looking like they'll miss out of the playoffs. But I think I, I will put more into the model side of things here because it is a team very clearly striving to make the playoffs, a team that needs to score goals as well to help them do that versus a team with nothing to play for. Now, I recognise that Cole, you have been decent recently. I also recognise that Mansfield have let themselves down a bit recently, but they do have a very high ceiling. We've said it all season. There have been two or three wins where after that you convince yourself if they can do that more often, they're one of the best teams in the league. More often than not, they then swing the other way. But they do have a high ceiling. If they do get on it and they perform well and they're focused and they're just dominant here, they are very good and they do score a lot of goals. Uh, Only, I think, Salford have scored more in the league this season. So they can catch Bradford and they can catch Salford if they win and those teams lose. The best way of making absolutely sure is by winning by three goals or more as well. Um, so they've got it in them. And I just think if it starts one way, they could really like just make hay. So Mansfield 9.5, it might be my favourite of 
the six actually Ooh. Harrogate 7.5 is is my next one uh, this one is a classic no jeopardy in the game and it will go to form I think they are at home to Rochdale who are off to the National League it's their last EFL game in a while uh, they won their last game Dale 4-1 against Sutton there was quite I saw a bit of unhappiness uh, on social media after the game that the Dale uh, home fans wanted to basically sort of say farewell to the players and clap them off and the players just weren't really that keen and they didn't really engage and and that's just annoyed the fan base and I dare say that that might send them to Harrogate just thinking well if the if the players can't be bothered to honour us then I, I don't know if we're going to be that fussed about this whereas Harrogate are finishing very strong uh, they've won three of their last four some impressive performances and wins in there as well um, not every team that sort of finishes their season early goes to the beach you know we talk about the beach all the time as if every team does it and it's not necessarily the case Harrogate seem to be thriving with a lack of pressure so Harrogate um, 13 to 2 7.5 with the Betfair Sportsbook is my sixth and final minus two handicap um, and the goal scorer is from one of these games but it's not a Harrogate player it's a Mansfield player Davis Keelor her done I just think and, and maybe it's to my detriment I'm just a fan of guys that take a ton of shots when I'm back in goal scorers you just want to be sure that they're going to have a certain amount of efforts in the game and Kilo Dunn he's a huge volume guy like he's easily got a five plus shots game in him um, and if I think that Mansfield are going to potentially batter Colchester then again stands to reason that I think Kilo Dunn will, will have a, a fair amount of effort so 14 to 1 the Kilo Dunn brace uh, that's my si- That's my third goal scorer pick that's my final pick of the nine so I'm looking forward to hearing your goal scorer pick well he said you like players who take a lot of shots uh, not many people have taken more shots recently than somebody that I like to call fingers in the tilly James Tilly uh, of Crawley. <laughs> yeah. How is Fingers? Is he going to score? I hope so. He is a player who has taken 10 shots in his last two games. Old Tillman. Um, it's it's kind of apt, I think, that this season started with um, me on the preseason betting show saying I thought Crawley were a bet to win <laughs> League Two and now finishing with them in like 22nd position and just tipping up a player there to score. But anyway, he's 5-1 to one to score anytime, um, which is a big price. He scored four goals this season already, uh, but crucially, in my mind at least, um, since um, Scott Lindsay came into the club, he's been taking loads of shots. And yet, I, you know, they're not from good positions. You know, I'm almost loath to tell you that he's taken 27 shots um, since coming back into the side on the 18th of February. And the total expected goals for 27 shots is about 1.2, um, which gives you a good idea of just how bad the locations are for these. Um, but he hasn't scored any of them, so he's kind of due in that respect. Um, I think Crawley go to Swindon. I think this is a game where I would be backing goals for sure because Swindon have sacked Jody Morris in midweek. They've sacked Sandro De Michele as well, the sporting director. Um, the club is in turmoil, if we're honest, and they've had a lot of high-volume scoring games recently. Crawley, I think, are, are better to win this. Um, I think they are playing pretty well under Lindsay. There's massive relief here coming off the back of that, um, of, of staying up. I uh, haven't got that point against Walsall. You know, Tilly had six shots against Walsall. He'll play on the right-hand side here. And if it goes the way I think I might do uh, with Crawley um, winning the game, then, or at least being a, a decent attacking force, and Tilly at 5-1 to one is fair value for a guy that you know is going to pull the trigger when possible. James Tilly. Old Jimmy Fingers. Yeah. George, why don't you recap your selections for the sake of me and the listener? My 
Nap is Bristol City at 9 to 5 to beat QPR. My next best is Morecambe at 9 to 5 to beat Exeter. I'm laying MK at 2.22 at Burton over 2.5 Bradford goals against Leighton Orient at 19 to 5. And fingers in the till at 5 to 1 uh, for Crawley anytime against Swindon. The EFL betting libertine there, George Ellick. Uh, let's take a trip to the arcade for final day. My nine picks are as follows. Uh, Six minus two handicap picks in the championship. Sunderland minus two against Preston at seven to one. Bristol City minus two uh, away at QPR at 12 to one. In League One, uh, Lincoln City at minus two against Shrewsbury, seven to one. Cheltenham minus two against Charlton at 11 to one. In League Two, uh, Mansfield uh, against Colchester. Mansfield to win and cover minus two. Uh, that one's at 9.5, so 17 to 2. Uh, and Harrogate at 13 to 2, that's 7.5. They're at home to Rochdale. My three goal scorers, who I'm backing to score a brace rather than a hat trick, are Ahmad Diallo at 12 to 1, uh, Alfie May at 8 to 1, and Keylor Dunn at 14 to 1. I will just note, right, that the prices for them to score a hat trick are May 50 to 1. Diallo 100 to 1, Kilo Dunn 125 to 1. I think it's worth knowing. That's what the Betfair Sportsbook is offering. Um, we thank them for their continued support of this podcast all season. What a roller coaster it's been. George has been the more profitable of the two of us up until this point. It could all change this weekend. I hope you've enjoyed this show, guys. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you fancy this weekend. Please make sure you're being responsible with any betting, uh, with any bets that you're placing, um, and make sure that you're gamble aware. We'll be back again on Monday night with a final day recap. We'll also be back again probably next Thursday with an EFL playoff preview. which will have some punting interest in it, uh, outright playoff winners at the very least, if not more than that. So look out for that and look out for a a betting.betfair column next week as well. It's been an absolute joy. Enjoy the weekend, guys, and go well.